are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Friday the 13th edition of Locked On Dolphins, November 13th. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, director of scouting at DraftNetwork.com. And we certainly got thrown quite the curveball yesterday, didn't we? Which is, we'll, we'll talk about that on the show. We're going to talk about game planning against the Chargers. Plenty to look forward to and no reason to hit the panic button. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Big news out of South Florida yesterday. The Miami Dolphins announced that they were returning Lynn Bowden Jr. off the reserve COVID-19 list, but that three additional players were going on the list, including two defensive starters. The Dolphins releasing a statement yesterday that wide receiver Matt Cole, defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, and linebacker Kyle Van Noy have all been placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, putting in doubt their availability for the Dolphins in Week 10 against the Los Angeles Chargers at the very least. Placement on the COVID-19 reserve list carries at least a five-day lockout period, depending on whether you were a contract tracing or positive test. It is currently unclear which is which for the Miami Dolphins, which means Dolphins fans should probably expect to see neither in Week 10. This is not a totally open and closed case, however, for at least one of the two. Reports from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, as of last night, seem to indicate that Kyle Van Noy was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list due to contact tracing. The league's policy states within five days, you have, you're locked out from when you were flagged for contract tracing to a high-risk COVID individual or a positive COVID test. So if Kyle Van Noy had close exposure on Monday, that would be the instance in which, provided Kyle Van Noy has no positive tests throughout that duration of time, he would be eligible to come back onto the active roster and play on Sunday. But if his close contact tracing was on Tuesday, then Kyle Van Noy would be locked out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Five-day minimum would keep him out of game day. Not an open and shut case. There's a lot of um, unknowns here for the Dolphins. But for the sake of everybody's sanity, this is an unfortunate hand to be dealt. And the Dolphins, what, you thought this team was going to go a week without some adversity? Whether it's people on the outside doubting them, or five coaches not available like, they, like was the case against Arizona, or missing your top two running backs. The Dolphins' next man up mentality is going to shine with this opportunity. Whether or not that means they will successfully Secure the win against the Chargers, that's yet to be determined. But one thing that I think is quite present is the Dolphins are not going to accept excuses. 
They're not going to lean into this and say, oh, well, woe is us. We lost Wilkins. We lost Van Noy for the week. No. The Dolphins have plenty of depth. This is why the Dolphins invested in the trenches. Obviously, losing Devon Gottschall earlier in the season to injured reserve puts further stress on the defensive line. The Dolphins may go with some different fronts. With Kyle Van Noy, Sam McGuavin, the week that Kyle Van Noy did not dress, week six against the New York Jets because of a minor injury issue, Sam McGuavin went from taking seven or eight defensive snaps a game to snapping 49 snaps against the New York Jets. Next man up mentality will be the way the Dolphins attack these losses, assuming they both materialize on game day in week 10 against the Chargers. Which is a great segue for us to get into defensively. How do we split these reps? I think obvious passing down and distances, third and longs, Kyle Van Noy probably will see Andrew Van Ginkle in his role. And if Andrew Van Ginkle was going to be on the, the field somewhere else, you may go with a little bit more of a heavier down, hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. That would be what I expect. But on the early downs, Sam Glavin. We've seen this one already. We've seen what the Dolphins' answer is to this issue in Week 6 against the Jets. And Aguavin played fairly well. I would expect nothing less against the Chargers. But Kyle Van Noy is a big loss, assuming he's out, for no other reason than he's played no less than 88% of the snaps in the last four games that he has played for the Dolphins, going back to Week 4 against Seattle. Obviously, he missed the Jets game. And the low watermark of 88% of the snaps was against San Francisco, which he experienced the minor injury that then led to him missing the following week. So, Sam McGuavin, Andrew Van Ginkle, that rotation, depending on game situation, expect that to be Kyle Van Noy's role if he is unable due to contract tracing and the timing of it to play on Sunday. Christian Wilkins, the water gets a little more muddy. It gets a little more messy. Uh, because there's, as we said, Devon Godchow's absence has already complicated the rotation up front. The good news is Zach Sealer's playing really good football for the Dolphins, like really good football. Looking like a total steal off the waiver wire from the Baltimore Ravens last year. The problem, Sealer's already playing 60-something percent of the snaps. So you can't really... You can't play two spots at the same time. And and Wilkins is playing like 70% of the snaps for the Dolphins. So those guys are already simultaneously on the field quite a bit. Raekwon Davis can take some of this slice of the pie. He's experienced some high watermarks in snap percentage, and he's taken over 50% of the snaps in the last two games. I think it was 53 and then 54% the last two weeks. So Raekwon Davis can take and shoulder some of the load here but he can't take all of it. So who else can step up to the plate? And the one name that just jumps right off the screen at you is Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson, believe it or not, has been playing less than 50% 
of the Dolphins' defensive snaps since the bye. Eye-opening number. Dude scored a touchdown last week against Arizona, but playing less than 50% of the snaps. So that, for me, is the avenue to, okay, instead of going with three down linemen, hand in the dirt, B-gap through B-gap, maybe we go with more four-man looks when we're in base defense. And when you're in pass situations, your NASCAR situations with, with more linebackers and sub-package and dudes walked up on the line of scrimmage, well, Van Ginkle, Iguavin, we've already handled that with a Van Noy role. Whoever's, you know, if both one of those guys was already tasked with being on the field, then Iguavin's going to have to step into Kyle Van Noy's role. Maybe Jason Strobridge. But, but Shaq Lawson is a physical dude. And he's the name for me that I think is going to have to get a lot more run than what the Dolphins have given him over the course of the past two weeks since the bye. Because as I said, less than 50% of the snaps. So you'll hear Christian Wilkins out. Kyle Van Noy out. Probably. Possibly. Not guaranteed yet, but that's the way it looks like this is going to go. So you'll hear that, and it's quite unnerving. But if I told you you're going to get Andrew Van Ginkle and Shaq Lawson to take those reps. Does it make you feel a little better versus, oh my goodness, we got to put Jason Strobridge in there and we're going to pull Calvin Munson in and he's going to have to play. You know what I mean? We kind of know what we've got in these guys behind him. And I think that's a very valuable place for us to be, especially when it's just going to have to change some of the tweaks from the personnel perspective, not bringing brand new faces into the picture. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. We may still see the Dolphins call up Benito Jones. I know there's active spaces available on the roster. The Dolphins would have to promote him to the active 53-man roster. And I ain't going to complain about that. You could, you could tell me we put Benito Jones on the active roster. I'm happy as a clam. That's fine. I think he's a rotational nose tackle. A fun football player, a little bowling ball. If that's, if that's how they choose to use their open roster spots... So be it. But they're not going to sign anybody now that's going to be able to play on Sunday because of COVID restrictions. So, next man up. Looking at the entirety of the Dolphins' defensive game plan, what that needs to look like against the Chargers, I think you should expect to see Miami kind of embrace the same approach that they had in Week 9 against the Arizona Cardinals, which is bend, don't break. The Chargers are going to get their share of yards. That They are second in the NFL in yards per game right now. Impressive number. You'd be foolish to think that the Dolphins are just going to clamp this team. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert's playing out of his mind, Hunter Henry, they've got really good options. Now, the good news for the Dolphins is I just named three premier receiving options. Eric Rowe is really good at covering tight ends, and you've got Byron Jones, and Xavier Howard. So in my opinion, you have the horses to match them in pass coverage. It's can you beat them up up front? And obviously, if you had Kyle Van Noy 
and Christian Wilkins, I would assume the Chargers have a major disadvantage on the trenches, even if Brian Bulaga plays. The tackle there who, who's missed some time for them with a back injury. But the Dolphins are still more of a gap control defense with their front. And they rely on the schemed pressures to create. This is where there is some value in having cogs in the wheel. And this is where there is some value in relying on the scheme to create the pressures based on confusion as compared to we're just going to out-athlete you and bring organic pressure with our front four. Because if the Dolphins played single-gap penetration and relied a lot on organic pressure with the front four, and you you told me you lost two players in your front seven, you'd be boned. You'd be screwed, especially if one of them's a three technique. But the Dolphins defensive lineman, your objective is to occupy. Every once in a while, they'll have you kind of buzz out, drop into the, the shallows, and hope you get a, a Christian Wilkins special, a gimme that, that Jared Goff just doesn't see and throws it right to you on his hot. But generally speaking, the defensive line's role is to push the pocket and occupy. And I still think they can do that even without Christian Wilkins in the picture. You'd feel a lot better about it if Christian Wilkins was here. But the Dolphins are going to try to get you into third and longs, and then they're going to bring heat, and they're going to bank that Justin Herbert is not as capable staring down the barrel of the gun as what Kyler Murray is which is a fair assumption to make. Herbert's very athletic. His arm is unbelievably good. He will have access to the full field even if he's staring down the barrel of the gun. But can he process it quickly? He's not the quick twitch kind that Kyler was, that Kyler would bait you as a free runner and then break contain. I don't think Justin's going to do that. He's going to fade away. He's going to roll. He's going to try and buy the extra split second and then try and slot an unbelievable throw because his arm's capable of doing it. Bet. Let's do that. Go ahead. Because I think the Dolphins can confuse him with the pre-snap picture versus the post-snap picture, and they still physically have a physical advantage over the Chargers' offensive line. Chargers' offensive line physically is not very good. Chargers will score points. But if you can bow up in the red zone, Chargers are 23rd in red zone touchdown conversion rate. 57%. Let them get their yards. If you can bow up a couple times in the red zone and force field goals instead of touchdowns, like Miami had Arizona twice in the red zone, and Kyler just broke angles because he's unbelievable. The game could follow the same exact script, but if you get stops twice in critical red red zone situations, Chargers can score 23 instead of 31, and then your pathway is pretty clear. Score your season average of offensive yard uh, point total, which is 27 points, and you win the football game. So defensively, Ben, don't break. It's the mentality we've seen because you know the Chargers are going to get their chunks. This is a touchdown to check down style passing offense. He's going to take his shots down the field. He might hit you over the top with one or two. Kyler Murray did. 
but force field goals in the red zone. When it gets tight, play tight coverage, play physical with these two guys outside. That's the formula for the Dolphins. And I think they will still have success creating pressure because of the scheme. That's what I'm looking for defensively as we craft a game plan to beat the Chargers. Offensively, what does it look like? I I think one point of emphasis, uh, first thing I need to do is tip the cap to Marcus Golden, the pass rusher from the Cardinals. He was phenomenal against Miami. Very large presence. And uh, the Chargers have two pass rushers of that caliber between Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So what's going to be important for Miami is to continue moving the launch point for Tua Tagovailoa. You've seen this more since Tua has come into the starting lineup. The rollouts, the boots, getting him on the outside of the offensive backfield instead of working within the pocket, bob and weave, but throwing primarily from the pocket. His launch points are much more diverse than what Ryan Fitzpatrick's were. Misdirection, pre-snap motion, rollouts, play-action fakes. You got to keep these two pass rushers on their heels because if they have to freeze for a split second to figure out if they need to be aiming inside or outside, when he turns his back to the defense, that's going to buy the Dolphins the time that they need for this Offense to really hum, in my eyes. So keep moving the launch point. It's part of the Dolphins' identity. you got to lean on it. I'd probably lean into it a little heavier than even normal this week with two really good pass rushers off the edge in Bosa and Ingram. Another thing I would do is I would target the linebackers a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean as much as possible. (laughs) The Chargers' defense is not very good. They're allowing 27, 28 points per game. Miami should be able to score in that range. They're averaging almost 28 points per game this season. That's great news for Miami. But the linebackers specifically, there's a matchup advantage here between DeAndre Washington, even if it's Salvin Ahmed, Matt Breida, Mike Kosecki, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, All of these dudes against these three linebackers that the Chargers have. Kaiser White, rookie Kenneth Murray, and Denzel Perryman when he's on the field. These three dudes are all allowing opposing quarterback ratings in excess of 100 on the season. Throw at these dudes. Challenge them. Work the middle of the field, whether it's the backs, the tight ends in the screen game, Gusecki up the seam, that's where I would have the most interest in trying to attack the Chargers this week in the passing game. So that B-level, Miami really likes to run this. It's play-action boot, split-zone play-action, and they'll pull the tight end across the field, or they'll go tight split with a wide receiver and have him run an 8-yard crosser, 10-yard crosser. The throw that Tua had to Mike Gusecki 
on the rollout that was the rope. That's the play call. We've I've seen it five, six times for the Dolphins in two games with two as the starter. And actually, I believe they ran it the very first play against the Jets, but it was out of 20 personnel, I believe. The pass to Patrick Laird. So what this combination looks like is it's a rollout with a speed flat, typically in motion or an insert block that turns into a flat. You give the the, the look as though you're going to insert block on the end man on the line of scrimmage for like a zone, inside zone to the right. Tight end is lined up on the right, comes across, or in the 20 personnel situation, you went two back in the shotgun, and the back to the opposite side kind of comes across, leaks out in the flat. The number one receiver away from the boot runs the shallow cross, and then the outside receiver to the boot side runs a deep comeback route. The read progression should go flat to cross to come back and then back to flat late. If the linebacker, if they're playing man, and the backer that's on the tight end coming across is late to step up to the flat, throw it. If he's not, or they zone it up, you're going to have the crosser as the two. Throw it. Make him pay over the middle of the field. That's the second staple of my personal wish list for this week. And my third and final game planning nugget here, they they may not run it as much because it's a new body, but I would like Matt Collins to simply just absorb the Preston Williams role. You'll see if it's more two wide receiver sets, you'll see more of Jakeem Grant this week, and that's fine with me. But when you get down in the red zone, we saw what Matt Collins could do. Matt Collins was on the field for a stretch of that two-minute drill just before the half when the Dolphins got three points as well. And after Tua took the sack and he threw the check down to Laird, and Laird got 17 on second and 16. You know who threw the block up by the first down marker that let Laird get the first down and then run out of bounds? It was Matt Collins. I'm really excited for the opportunity to see Mac play in a bigger role in the Dolphins' offense, and I hope they afford him that opportunity to some degree. No, I'm not expecting him to take a full six, seven targets and play 60% of the snaps for Miami. But if you want to play physical, Mac Collins is more than capable of playing physical. He plays on special teams units. I also saw Preston Williams come in on one of these kind of pin down blocks against Arizona, and he just kind of tried to shoulder the guy. Max special teams ability, I think, could really help Miami on the boundary and on the second level, because Miami, when they run the ball, any receivers that they have, they like to kind of faux slant it. Or they'll run the slant, and they'll they'll peel out, or they'll pick up safety, whatever. Getting Mac Collins' body coming into the box to do that? Yes, I'm in. Those are my bullet points for what I'd like to see Miami implement this week on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we had a little bit more to talk about from a personnel standpoint because we got blitzed last night with Wilkins and Van Noy going on the COVID list. Time will tell. 
If we will get either one of them back, you should mentally prepare yourself to have neither and hope for the best. But prepare for the worst. The Dolphins will be prepared. Next man up mentality. And they'll get after it on Sunday. And if they win this week against the Chargers, down two defensive starters, it's all the reminder that you need that the Dolphins are building something special. And even if they lose, Miami has won four in a row coming into this game. You'd be discouraged. You'd be disappointed. It's a winnable football game. But big things coming down the chute. It's just a question of how well can Miami adjust to this bit of adversity on short notice. My prediction? Dolphins dub, 27-23. That's my expectation. We'll get very similar script to last week, but the Dolphins will make the plays defensively in the red zone to force field goals instead of touchdowns, and Miami will score their season average in points. They'll win the football game. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins next week. I'll talk with you guys on Monday after the game. Let's go Dolphins.